If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Michael, and we are here with a recap for episode 213, which was a discussion of the 800-word prequel. So yeah, we're looking back on that. Which actually someone commented and said is 797 words, but what? if you yes. want to be technical. <laughs> okay. That's a bit specific. That. <laughs> a bit specific. But anyway, as you heard, guys, I'm here too. It's Kat. And I'm Allison. And before we jump into our recap, we just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Amy Bertleff on Patreon. So thank you so much, Amy, for your thank you. support. Thank you, Amy. And you too can become a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And we are continuing to release some exclusive tidbits. We talked about that a little bit more in our main episode. So make sure you jump on over there to hear some of the cool stuff that is heading your way. Ooh, you know what else, guys? What? Which I realized, because this episode's going to release in March, early March, it's almost my birthday. Almost. Oh. That's true. It's your real one, not your birth. fake one, right? Yes, my real I, one, not my I always one. mix them up, and I know that that's really terrible. <laughs> Many people do. It's fine. I understand. But yes, my my real birthday, March 9th, is... And then, see, and the easier way, to, the easiest way to remember that is because Lupin's birthday is March 10th. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. We're both Pisces. Okay. Which, <laughs> mm. Anything... I will... I totally reject and don't care about the fact that I share a birthday with Professor Trelawney. <laughs> and I, much, I much more hone in on the fact that I share a birthday with Lupin. <laughs> Almost. Just barely. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Hmm. Pisces. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not one of those people. Although I buy into the astrology thing. I just, you know, you mentioned Trelawney. I started thinking about it. Anyway, either way. <laughs> yeah, that did. Yeah. I didn't even think about how that paired up. Maybe I am more of a Trelawney if I'm bothering to talk about that. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. Either way. Let's jump into our recap. We have a few. Um, mm. There's 66 comments. I see that. Uh, am I called out anywhere? 
<laughs> yes, I, I did, and you were not. <laughs> did anyone call me belligerent and terrible? I like that no. somebody made fun of Allison for not knowing paper sizes, though. Wait, they did? They actually made fun of me? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, uh, where's the comment? Um... Well, okay, no, but they did comment on it. It says, also on the paper front size, on the paper size front, A4 is the standard paper size across businesses for printers, schools, etc. A5 is exactly (laughs) A4. Exactly half A4. And just for reference, A6 is half A5, one quarter A4. But conversely, A3 is double A4. A2 is four times A5, double A3, etc. Whoa. That's unpacking a lot. All of that, to me, sounded like Tweedledee and Tweedledum from Wonderland being like, and contrary-wise, like, whatever. Yes, whatever. Okay, so we will get into the actual comments for this week. Not that that was not an actual comment, and we thank you, Rosemarta, for pointing that out. Um, I I can't wait to go to the UK and experience these papers. Right, did you remember everything I just said, though? Because that's the important part. No? Okay, nope. I didn't think I so. Will take, I will look up Rose Murder's comment. When okay, perfect. <laughs> take a screenshot, someday. keep it on your phone. Right, okay. <laughs> Determine so, paper sizes. <laughs> the first comment here comes from Silver Doe. It says, The prequel very definitely describes James and Sirius as boys throughout. It also refers to the men on broomsticks. That implies someone older and not other schoolboys. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was worthwhile myself because I, I know that was a big debate on the last episode of Quite how old everybody was. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys were um, a little unsure, especially about who was chasing them. And I reread the prequel again, having not read it for a very long time. And uh, I always had assumed that they were Death Eaters that were chasing them. Uh, you're in the Death Eater camp. Interesting. I am. And I like you guys made a really good argument for why it's not. But I feel especially now, too, with Silver Doe pointing out that they were grown men on broomsticks i'm more inclined to think that if they weren't death eaters they were like death eater adjacent like the scab um, like the, the scabbers the snatchers oh. the scabbers that's a great new name for them yeah the snatchers um, yeah, yeah 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 something like maybe a group who maybe supported them or or maybe was were like budding Death Eaters that weren't in the circle yet or something what like that. What if they were just really tall boys? <laughs> but you can usually tell if someone... I, I know. know, I know, I know, I know. I just... Just accept it, cat. It's I just don't believe it can be Death Eaters. I just... I mean, I, I... Okay, Death Eater adjacent, maybe I'm down with that. Or like newbie Death Eaters, like the little babies before they were Death Eaters. Know what I mean? Well, because remember, too, that there, I think the movie gives a, the wrong impression of that. There aren't that many, like, you know, official Death Eater Death Like, eaters branded with the in... Dark Mark Death Eaters. Yes. Sure, sure. Yes. But there are plenty of Voldemort's followers type of people. And people who have been so. put under the Imperius curse, and yes. that's who that could be. Yes. Maybe that's why it took him so long to go. get up. There are a lot of explanations here. Maybe. <laughs> Okay, fine. So let's, we'll move on to the next comment and see what this person has to say. It comes from Huffleclaw. The comment says, Hey guys, I've been listening since you started the topic based episodes, and this is my first comment. Oh, thank you for leaving your first comment. Congratulations. Welcome, Huffleclaw. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the recap. Another year. 
It continues and says, first, I wanted to thank you for the show. It's a great way to keep up with books that I've loved for so long. Oh, Hmm. this is such a nice comment already. You're you're making us all feel so warm and fuzzy. Thank you, Hufflepuff. Continuing, it says, I wanted to share my thoughts about the T-shirts that James and Sirius wore. I don't think it is a rock band like the police constable thought. No, I, nor do I think that they are in the order at the time of this prequel. Instead, I offer a third theory. Throughout history, movements have adopted symbols to signify their support of, if not membership in, a form of revolution or resistance. Perhaps the phoenix symbol signifies the larger resistance to Voldemort and not just the Order of the Phoenix. The few times one of the adult characters talks about the First War, we get a dark and bleak picture. It is very likely that the Order, a very small group, judging by the picture we saw Moody show Harry in Order of the Phoenix, proved to be just the tip of the iceberg in the Resistance. Perhaps those who supported the Order but could not join, like an underage Sirius and James, still resisted Voldemort in small ways. Perhaps the symbol they wore was a small golden phoenix lapel. The rebellious James and Sirius would certainly be the type to get larger, more flashy shirts made. I can't see them risking wearing such shirts as Order members, but as teens, they would find the risk to be a great adventure. Perhaps under the same token, the broom-riding pursuers were young Death Eaters-to-be. Thanks again for the wonderful podcast. Looking forward to more episodes. Okay. I'm down with that. As somebody who is very much... uh, I have recently added a decal for the resistance on my car. Uh, So I'm down Mm -hmm. with this theory. I'm down with that. I was going to say this sounds like a... Is this their Mockingjay? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good parallel. Yeah, I like that. The phoenix. Mm. Mocking phoenix, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Mocking phoenix. (laughs) I I like that theory, too, because I was... When you guys were discussing... um, when exactly the you know these the, this generation joined the order i vaguely recalled and it looks like uh, the wiki was able to confirm this for me um i vaguely recalled that rowling had said at some point that lily and james and pretty much all of their friends joined up with the order straight out of school mm-hmm. um so they so by this point because i believe the story is said to take place around 77 I think, and I think you guys had figured that out. Yeah, too. it would be summer after sixth year if it in- mm-hmm. indeed is the summer. Yeah, so that's so that would be uh, that would be seventy seven, I believe. Yes. Um, and actually, something else that happened in that year was that that was the year that uh, Jay, Lily introduced James to to Vernon and Petunia. Um, so that was, so th- that was a big Wait, year. How's that possible? They weren't even dating yet. Apparently they were because, but, but they were, but, but they were dating late in the year, right? Because they were dating by the seventh year. And so, and that happened at Christmas over Christmas break of 77. So that happened right after this event. Okay. Cause the, yeah. Cause the, the, the lexicon says they started dating in their seventh year. Yeah. So it still works. Okay. It's going to happen. Like this is like the next kind of watershed event after the motorbike thing. Sure. Um, but that, but that does confirm that they weren't in the order yet. Um, right. So I, I would be inclined to go with this theory that, yes, they're wearing it in support, not because they're actually in it yet. Right. But that also still doesn't mean that not the guys who were pursuing them weren't necessarily Death Eaters or followers of Voldemort. Because I think a lot of, I think you guys had mentioned in a lot of the comments this week, 
brought up that just because they weren't members of the order doesn't mean that James and Sirius weren't going out and looking for for trouble ways to basically agitate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And um, if you I've mentioned this series before, listeners, and if you haven't watched by now after mentioning it, how many times you you really maybe should take a look at it. The Legend of Korra, which is a sequel to the Avatar The Last Airbender, the main characters in that kind of start their own little uh, resistance against the government and uh, use their powers to head out to the streets and start kind of uh, doling out their own vigilante justice. Um, very similarly to what perhaps James and Sirius might be doing here, which is kind of what I've, what I'm starting to think of this as. I wonder too if Rowling even still considers this like canon based on newer developments or not. I assume she does, but depends on how you're defining newer developments. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I'm even thinking of like even that detail about like, and then the the winter break right after this. James was introduced to Petunia and Vernon. Like, was that was that part of the plan? Was that always the plan? Right. Um, Where'd that bit of so, information come from? Pottermore. Pottermore. Oh, okay. That was in Petunia and Vernon's piece about the Dursleys. Interesting. Because she might consider this to be a totally different time, and she's just, you know, she's bad at math, guys. <laughs> so <laughs> this could be, you know, 75, for all we know. It could be many years earlier. Who knows? Who knows, who knows. Well, and we we know too, though, that this in the series that I mean that's not too dissimilar, right? From Harry and his friends starting the starting Dumbledore's army because they couldn't be in the Order of the Phoenix, right? Um, they did the same thing, so there you go. User Phoenix actually had a theory on the T-shirts as well. It says alternate theory for the matching T-shirts: the symbol could be Quidditch related. No Quidditch team we know seems to have a golden bird as a mascot, though. And then Thunderdoor replied to that saying, wasn't the original Golden Snitch used actually a bird? The Snidget. Which is true. Was the Snidget. Golden Snidget. So that's totally possible. I mean. Yeah, Golden Snidgets on their shirts. <laughs> who knows? Who Save knows? the Snidget. Save the Snidget. <laughs> yes, maybe they're activist t-shirts. <laughs> and they were just. Being... It does say that it was like a large golden bird i believe it does say that that's true i don't no, know i used to i used to walk around with large pandas on my shirt isn't there, <laughs> there um isn't there a, a quidditch team that has a phoenix like mascot there is mm-hmm. one of our listeners one of our listeners said there isn't but i his uh, name is sparky hmm. <laughs> i don't know oh, why i remember this and go. i don't remember which what? team it is um yeah Mascot Sparky. Let's see what we can find out about this. Sparky. I'm. I'm. No, that's the that's the bat one. Is it oh, says it's, for uh, it's the Matora Macaws team yeah. mascot from New Zealand. Is named He's Sparky. From New Zealand. So they just support the New Zealand Quidditch <laughs> team. <laughs> that's all it is. There's no. There. There's no. Maybe they. Maybe they picked a fight with some some guys who support a different Quidditch team. Maybe. That's it. That's what this whole story is about. I would it's believe that it. more than Death Eaters chasing them, <laughs> quite honestly. I liked, well, you got it, it kind of builds on your guys' theory about, like, Quidditch, Hogwarts Quidditch scuffles. Allison's new canon. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's kind of that. Maybe they just went to a, maybe that since they're of age now, they went to a, a 
the leaky cauldron and started loudly talking about how great the New Zealand team is over the UK team and just <laughs> made somebody really some angry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just from being in London when England was in the soccer world cup, I feel like it's dangerous to do anything like that ever. <laughs> it is. So See, I would take that. <laughs> you accept it. New head, new head cannon made, huh? Well, I think I still prefer the Death Eater one, but I will take this as an alternate. Sure. Perfect. Uh, in an alternate timeline, an alternate universe. Mm, okay. Uh, last comment here comes from that time Remus Wadawasid Voldy. Still such a classic username. And you know what? I'm, still- I'm saying these usernames and I realize how much I miss having these um, you know, the the chapter discussions with the recaps and everything. I miss those. I don't know about you guys, but I miss those. Oh, yeah, of course. Anyway. But at least our, it's, it's always nice to see that so many of our listeners have stuck with us. Yes, we thank you all for that. Uh, over the years, we are approaching, oh, my goodness, five years in April. That's crazy. Ah. Crazy. Um, okay, so Wadawasid says, here's a question. If we didn't already know this story was written by Joe, say it was just posted anonymously somewhere, would we be able to tell it was written by her? Or are there elements to it that would lead some to declare it a fanfic? An important part of canon for me in terms of Harry Potter goes beyond contradiction of established events or rules of magical function. When I pick up a piece of Harry Potter literature, I expect to read Joe's voice, not just stylistically and thematically, but more simply. Does it sound like the world she created and what she would have happened within it? The thing that strikes me most about this story is that while it is a fun little look into James and Sirius's lives, it doesn't really go anywhere. There's no message or greater lesson to be learned. Nothing is really gained or lost. It isn't that it isn't plausible or a realistic scenario. I just can't help but ask. So what is the point of all this? It doesn't feel like a complete story in and of itself. I get that it was just a fun piece for charity, but I would still expect a bit more out of a piece from Joe. It almost comes off as the type of headcanon you might come across on Tumblr. Ooh. 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 Wow, that's <laughs> the Tumblr line. Ooh, that's a rough one. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. And I wouldn't necessarily think it was Joe either if it wasn't physically in her handwriting. Um, I, I don't disagree with Watawasit here. I think that it doesn't, in a lot of aspects, feel like Joe. It does in spots. You know, Elven Dork is, feels like Joe. But... You know, maybe not so much the rest of it. Hmm. I think it does. I think it sounds mm-hmm. like her. It's. Um, I think it's funny because it's not something that has or needs to be part of a plot. It's very much just kind of a character sketch, I think. Mm. And mm. I think it still sounds like her because it's got kind of her humor it's got her writing style and it's very much like i think i said on the episode it sounds like the james and sirius we hear about people talking about to harry to me at least it sounds like them um i mean it sounds like some of the funny moments we get from the weasley twins but a little bit different and everyone says that james and sirius were the forerunners of friend george and so I don't know. It feels right to me. Yeah, it feels like Joe to me. I 
used to think it didn't feel like Rowling's writing, but I do now. I haven't uh, until until um, I read it recently after you guys did the episode. Um, before when I read it, I th- and almost every other time I read it before, um, almost right after it came out, uh, I think I was just like too high on the excitement and the endorphins to even understand <laughs> what was happening in the story yeah. because I like it was just such a quick little bite, and that I think that's what threw me off. Um, even though I knew it was going to only be eight hundred, because I think the thing to remember is um, she did this as a charity piece, but she did this um, with a group of other writers and some of the there were certain requirements and the i think the 800 thing was part of it as well as and i couldn't find it in my research anywhere but i i remember i feel that the line where she said the thing about the ruby at the very end where the the the, the tail light shone like a red ruby uh i'm pretty sure they had to use ruby or red in the mm, so there was a theme, like a thematic oh, theme between yeah. the. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there was there were like certain requirements laid out for each of the participants, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, Someone else influenced the text, right? Yeah, to to the point of the well, nothing happens. I really don't think it was possible to make anything very substantial in eight hundred words. Um, I think we're so used to rolling doing amazing things that. Maybe that's why we're underwhelmed as far as that goes. Uh, if she had, that would have really been astonishing. Um, but yeah, I, reading it now, I actually could. I, I actually would not mistake this for fan fiction because it is definitely her writing style and her vocabulary is very sophisticated. Considering it's only eight hundred words, she's using pretty. Um, she's she's using a lot of. Uh, very rich language to describe what's happening. And she's doing it in a way that is distinctly hers. She focuses a lot on, um, she has this gift for developing the setting just enough so that you can, you see what she wants you to see, but there's still a little room for you to make some of the picture. Yeah. Um, she's doing that even here. I'm sure if you asked multiple Potter fans to like draw this scene, each of them would draw it differently. Hmm. Um, so. I kind of want to see that now. Yeah. <laughs> Make it happen, listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think... But but back then, yes, I would have... Because I was so befuddled by it and a little disappointed by it, I think I would have said that it was fan fiction um, or just like not as up to snuff um, back in the day. But I think that was because we were coming off of being immediately spoiled by the series and not much else. Right. Things have obviously changed quite a bit since then. <laughs> Indeed, that is true. We have plenty of other reasons to be spoiled now, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I feel like I can't do these shout-outs justice. Like, Michael, I feel like shout-out Maxima is your thing, and I can't st- oh, I can't I- steal that from you. So can you do the sh- – <laughs> can you – I forgot my wand. Can you do the shout-outs for me? <laughs> Sure, of course they can. So we just want to make sure and shout out to all of you listeners who uh, contributed to this week's conversation, especially because I think uh, the hosts for that week, uh, 
you, uh, our two ladies here, Allison and Kat, as well as Kristen, were uh, presented with an extreme challenge to come up with a, the enough content for uh, one of our episodes based on an 800-word prequel, and they did so fabulously. And you, the listeners, managed to extend upon that um, with some really brilliant insight. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to make sure and shout out to, uh, I believe this username is Apples, but it's Apples if you take out like all of the vowels. One of the P's <laughs> so, and the E. Yes, Apple. I think it's. I was going apples. to. I was going to say it as apples as well. So I think it's apples. We'll go with apples. Apples. Uh, Elf zero one. How am I going to translate this? Lisa Rosmerda Slughorn's trophy wife. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my new favorite. It's <laughs> a good one. Uh, Snape's many buttons and traveling in a blue box. Uh, we also wanted to give a shout out Maxima to Dora Nympha for your discussion on other moments and characters who might have deserved a in-depth prequel examination. And another one of our regular commenters, they've taken my wheezy, for jumping right into some canon discussion and doing so uh, with using the Lego Batman movie as justification. Uh, that was interesting. <laughs> I have thoughts on that, and we'll get to, we'll probably get to that in our main discussion that comes after this week's main discussion, uh, which you'll hear a little more about on uh, our topic episode. That's an episode idea, like Harry Potter in other culture, like pop culture. Sure. I actually had something oh, yeah, just totally. kind of pop into my head while we were talking that I'm dying to talk to you guys about, but I'm not going to spoil it by talking about it on this episode. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> what a Ooh, teaser. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but as as we always say, make sure and check out alohomora.mugglenet.com um and that particular episode, episode 213, because just because the episode's over does not mean the discussion is. And we just want to give one last thank you to our Patreon sponsor, Amy, for this episode. And remind you that you can go to patreon.com slash alohomora or our website, alohomora.mugglenet.com. Click on the little Patreon banner and check it out. And, of course, we want to let you know what the big topic this next main episode is. Uh, We decided to go completely the opposite direction from the uh, last episode, (laughs) honing in on only 800 words. And we drew that out to examine the life lessons and themes of the entire Harry Potter series. Um, 2,442 pages I learned today. Oh, wow. The the first of many fun facts <laughs> you will be hearing if you head over Indeed. to the main topic discussion uh, for that episode to 114. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for our recap on uh, 213. I'm Michael. I'm Kat. And I'm Allison, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. 
Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 